Welcome to Fun and Fundraising, everybody, the podcast where we talk with people behind top nonprofit galas and signature fundraising events to showcase how they positively transform their communities. I am your host, Rob Giardinelli, and today I'm really excited to have a trio of guests on. We have Angela Glode, who is the Chief Development Officer for the Safe Alliance, along with Tiffany Stilwell and Yvette Flores, and they're co-chairs of the upcoming Safe Gala, and they're celebrating their 50th anniversary. So uh, SAFE is one of those organizations in Austin I've been involved with for a very long time. And, you know, they've been one of the top nonprofit events and nonprofit galas in the city for many, many years. So we're really excited for two reasons. One, to learn learn from these three really dynamic people about what it takes to put on a signature fundraising event. And two, to celebrate this really incredible milestone of 50 years. So with that, Angela, Tiffany, and Yvette, welcome. And I'm so excited to have you all on as guests today. Thank you. Thanks, so, so we'll start this first question with Angela, and it's just for anyone who's not familiar, please tell us a little bit about the mission of the Safe Alliance. Sure, Rob. Thank you. Well, <clears throat> our mission is to stop abuse for everyone, and we serve and support um, people who have experienced all kinds of trauma, uh, ranging from child abuse and neglect to domestic violence sexual assault and sex trafficking. And um, we do a lot, a lot of prevention work in those areas as well. So we take about 25,000 calls a year on our 24 hour safe line. And then those folks get sent to the appropriate programs or counselors or advocates or whatever, wherever they need the help. Um, And then we actually directly serve about 6,000 people a year. So we serve a lot of people. That's, that's a lot of folks to serve, you know, within, you know, within a community and 25,000 calls. That's a lot of calls of a lot of people, a lot of people coming in. So, you know, can I ask you, like some people um, call multiple times, you know, before they actually will come in and do a service. So, you know, if, if because it takes a certain amount of bravery to do that, would that, would that be accurate? Completely. So one of the challenges that we have in Austin is that our nonprofit infrastructure has not kept up with our population growth. And unfortunately, domestic violence, in particular sexual assault, are all numbers games. I mean, we know that it's one in three women that will be uh, victims of sexual assault or harassment. We know that one in four will be victims of domestic violence. So as our population is increasing, those numbers are increasing. We don't have enough beds for people who are in very, very severe situations. And so what ends up happening is that we work with them to safety plan as much as possible. But if they really, really need shelter, they have to call in daily to our uh, safe line and and find out, is there a space? Is there a space? And they will call and call and call and call until either a space opens up or their situation becomes dire enough, dangerous enough that they are triaged to the top of the list. So it's very much a triage situation for those, for those individuals and families who are in truly, truly dangerous situations. Well, thank you so much for sharing that and laying that out so well, because I think what that does is it really showcases the importance of, you know, one of the things we're here to talk about today, which is the upcoming gala and why those funds are so important. And Austin's a wonderful city that everyone wants to move to. 
on one hand, but on the other hand, at the same time, you know, there's growing pains with that. So, you know, I'm really glad that you, you mentioned that because that really is something that's, you know, that's, you know, that's important. And, you know, with this, I kind of want to talk a little bit about, cause you know, we've got, you know, the event shares on Tiffany and Yvette, and I'd like to hear how each of you initially got involved with this organization. And we'll start alphabetically by first name. So Tiffany, you'll be first for this question. Sure. Um, well, uh, I got involved, gosh, 20 some odd years ago. And I um, volunteered at the children's shelter. And it was a really um, eye-opening experience for me. Um, I thought I was going to get to go in and hold babies and play with little kids and, you know, um, just just give back in a way to the community. And um, you go through intense training. And um, I was very, very blessed and had a good, um, safe childhood. And so it was shocking to me to go through this training and learn that I couldn't hug these kids. You have to side hug these kids um, because you know, some of them have had their body um, abused. And so you learn, you learn boundaries and definitely to um, uh, respect their space. Um, but I, it, it was a very rewarding experience. I will also say it was um, emotionally exhausting. It was very, it was a learning experience for me. I was in my 20s. And I would be there for I don't remember the shifts. But anyway, I would be there and just leave just exhausted. And I had a lot of energy. And so, um, but it was it was a great experience. And then after that, um, I would go and speak to businesses um, that did that did matching, um, and speak to their employees. And so then I don't remember how many years I did that. And then I had my own family and time didn't allow me to be as involved, I would make donations. Um, but then uh, Mindy Bocker, a good friend of mine who's in um, the, the real estate industry, she's the more in the mortgage industry. She invited me, um, I think it's been 10 years now, to join Women of Hope. Um, and Women of Hope is an incredible organization of women that supports the sh that support safe. And um, I just was thrilled to have an opportunity to get back involved. And the time commitment is as little or as much as you want. And so um, I, I joined that um, and little did I know I was going to meet some of the most incredible women in Austin and make amazing friendships. And so I've gotten back involved through Women of Hope. You know, thank you for sharing that journey because it's over a couple of decades. And I got a follow up question, but we're going to wait for the next question to get everyone to talk about that. But I think an important thing for people to know is one you know, for any nonprofit looking for leaders to, you know, headline something, you know, that's a major undertaking like a gala is you've been involved with this organization off and on for 25 years. So just because someone, you know, is not as involved at a period of time in their life, if they were involved before, doesn't mean that they'll get involved again. Sometimes, as with all of us, we're busy in, you know, various aspects of life. You know, you had a family and children and all that it's just a really important thing for people to keep in mind. So I'm really glad that you brought that up and you kind of shared your journey with doing that. And, you know, with that, Yvette, I'd love to hear, you know, how you initially got involved with this organization. Well, I originally got involved by my dear friend, Tiffany Stilwell, <laughs> uh, inviting me to be a founder of the Women of Hope. And um, it was actually at the time, she, I think she caught me at a really good time because um, as 
a founder of Realty Austin. Uh, we made it our mission to support affordable housing and shelter. And this really spoke to my heart. Uh, you know, we would visit the shelter, go deck the shelter at this time of year. And um, just to see, like Tiffany was describing, the, the women that are there, um, the babies, uh, the teen moms, honestly, um, I was a teen mom myself. Uh, I became a mom at 19. And luckily for me, I had the resources and the family to support me um, as I finished college and uh, went on to a very successful career. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, not everybody has those resources. Some you know, of these teen moms are kicked out when they find out that they're pregnant and they have nowhere to go. And just seeing that the support that they're given while they're in that shelter, um, really just spoke to me. And, and so, yeah, we made it our mission to support this organization. Now it's been, I think about 12 years, honestly. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, we volunteer and we give back um, in many ways, but um, I'm blessed as well to be a part of this women of hope. It's just, you know, a gathering of women who pledge a thousand dollars a year, at least, um, to support some of the resources that uh, the safe is providing. Oh, fantastic! And you know, I'd love to hear a little bit more about Women of Hope because that's the second time that that's come up. And you know, perhaps maybe share what that is, and um, you know how it helps with laying the groundwork for, you know, the gala and the 50th anniversary event. And I'm glad for any of you to, you know, answer that question, whoever feels you know most comfortable with talking about what Women of Hope is. Um, I can speak to it and, and maybe Yvette wants to add, but um, it, so it started, like I said, and Angela might be able to tell us the exact time. There were five amazing women that came together and they wanted to pool the resources of other women. And so um, I, 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 we got up to at least 100 members, I believe, at one time. So as a group of, of Central Texas women, we were donating $100,000 um, to SAFE. And so, and there's different things we've done over the years. Again, I said it was, it, the thing that drew me to it is the commitment was as little just write your check and you're done and your name is on that um, on the list. Um, or you can, there were opportunities to do so much more. We have social gatherings. Um, we've also had volunteer gatherings where we decorated the trees at the um, um, shelter. And then we um, have also done baby showers for the teen mothers. And there's been various drives, um, backpack drives and school drives. So, uh, we try to really be a good support and partner with SAFE and they let us know what they need. And then we we have the drives to go with that. But like I said, one of the things that I was surprised by when I joined the group is I um, had a great group of girlfriends and I wasn't necessarily looking for new friendships in the group. But I have met some amazing, incredible women that have become lifelong friends. That's amazing, you know, and, and thank you for, you know, sharing that you can be as or as not involved because if all hundred people were super actively involved, you probably wouldn't get anything done. So I think, you know, with nonprofits, you know, it's important to realize that 
yes, you want everyone to help as much as they can. But if you've got a hundred dynamic people who are all successful in their own right, you probably, you got to kind of treat that a little bit like an ensemble. Not everyone can be the star. So there's certain people that want to yes. be in the audience and there are certain people that really want to do the work. So I'm really glad that, you know, you've talked about, you know, some people may just want to write a check, but others may want to be really involved. <laughs> and that shows the importance of that. Absolutely. So, you know, I love, you know, what I'm, what's coming through with all of you is, you know, your incredible passion for different reasons for this organization, you know, for this organization. And, you know, I'd like to hear where some of that passion comes from. And Angela, I'd actually like to start with you on this, you know, because what I've always appreciated about you, and I think really effective nonprofit leaders, and you're one of them in my mind, very much so, um, I will see you at other events for other nonprofits because nonprofits are very much a network. And like you were saying earlier with Austin, you know, the needs aren't matching the growth of the community. And it's really important to do that. So talk about why you are such a passionate advocate for SAFE that, you know, you really put yourself out there in a the community to really, you know, relay the mission to others. Thank you. Um, you know, I think I think I've been involved in nonprofits. 90% of my career, I've taken a couple of little hiatuses out and always kind of come quickly back. And so I think um, nonprofit work and mission-based work is just part of who I am. But I think with SAFE in particular, one of the things that draws me is just this desire for families to live in healthy, happy spaces. Um, and, and no family is perfect. There's This is not a, a fairy tale, la la land, let's all live in perfect harmony. But healthy homes are attainable. And and healthy doesn't mean there's not tension and conflict and, and disagreements, but it's, it's a knowledge of how to have those difficult conversations, how to work through trying times, how to support each other, um, how to walk in and say, all right, I'm, you know, I'm sensing something here and, and how can I support you? Or I need to set some boundaries. That's not fair. That's not, I, I can't live with that or I, I can't give you that. Um, and knowing how to do that well. Um, you know, when we think about what creates a happy childhood and a happy home, it's not perfection, but it's, it's <laughs> sort of the opposite of dysfunction, right? Functional homes and how do you create healthy, functional homes. And so I think that's really just what, what I work towards and what I try to bring people along with is we're trying to help create homes and environments and communities, whether it's in workplaces or in schools where people learn how to have these healthy, functional, quality relationships. Um, I've been watching the Blue Zone series recently. And, oh, it's you know, that a great it, show? It is, it's just fabulous. And and really digging into what, you know, the longevity, but so much of that longevity comes from healthy relationships and healthy community. And so kind of what Tiffany was talking about, Women of Hope is, is a place for community. Um, and so, it and it, it just all goes back to relationship and positive, healthy, fulfilling relationships. And we need those in our in our homes with our intimate family, and we need those in our broader communities. And so how do we create those? Very, very well said. And 
such an important thing because people need to feel safe, pun intended, in their environments. And, you know, what you all do to do that. And I can sense the passion. And I hear it in your voice and talking about it. And with that, I'd also like to hear that, you know, what what makes you passionate about this organization? Because I know you're also very actively involved with the community. And, you know, what makes you choose this organization to really devote the time and energy, you know, because to be an event chair, like I said earlier, is a big undertaking. So I'd love to hear more about your passion with that. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's really just backing this wonderful organization up and all the things that they do. Uh, you know, as we said earlier, when we started, it really was just the children's shelter that we were supporting uh, before the merge with uh, Safe Place. So, we've seen the iteration of this community that has come together to really provide um, a safe place for people uh, that are abused or trafficked or, um, I mean, just so many different things that uh, it's been wonderful to see, you know, when you have two great organizations that are providing very similar resources, but then to be able to come together and um, do something really great. And, you know, we had to kind of shift our minds too to, okay, now we're safe and we're just this big umbrella organization that can do so much. Um, I mean, really that's, that's the why, that's why we, um, my, my company at Realty Austin, me personally choose to get involved is because uh, we do want to be that corporate partner for um, for safe and really providing that avenue that, you know, it, it's never too little <laughs> to, to, to get involved. I mean, you like we keep saying, you can do a little or you can do a lot. But um, for my big organization, um, we choose to do a lot. <laughs> and, and together we can go far is, you know, a mantra that we have. We, we pull our resources internally as well to be able to give back. But yeah, for, for me personally, I'm, I'm really just like the cheerleader <laughs> and I get to, <laughs> to lead everybody uh, in the direction of what, how much more can we do for our community? Well, you know, you brought up something really important, and that was, you know, the Austin Children's Shelter and um, Safe Place had merged. And this actually leads me to my next question for Angela. You know, the organization is op- has been involved in the community for 50 years, but obviously there's been an evolution. Can you talk a little bit about how the organization has evolved over the past 50 years? Absolutely. Um, it's been a fun few months trying to, you know, really go back and learn the history of the, of, of SAFE and all of our predecessor organizations and sort of how we came to be who we are today. Um, And it goes back to 1974. And the very first organization of our predecessor groups here was the Austin Rape Crisis Center. So it was established in 1974. um, And then about three years later in 1977, uh, the Center for Battered Women was developed. And we thought for a long time that we were the very first sort of center women's shelter in the state. But we did discover one other recently that that uh, started just before we did in a very small town. But we were the first sort of large city shelter for uh, survivors of domestic violence and, and abuse. So um, those two kind of plotted along for a little while. And then in 1998, um, Austin Rape Crisis Center and Center for Battered Women merged to become Safe Place. 
At the same time, um, the organization that we know is Austin Children's Shelter began um, back in 1984 and also kind of plotted along on the other side of town. They were in the infield, um, what is, you know, the infield house for many, many years. And then uh, finally in 2017, Austin Children's Shelter and Safe Place merged to become the Safe Alliance. And so lots of different movements, lots of different groups and individuals, most of which were grassroots. Um, you know, Austin Ray Price Center, Center for Battered Women and the Children's Shelter were all developed by community members who saw a need. And really what that need was, was that there was no place to go when. There was no place to go when someone was raped. There was no place to go when you needed to flee from violence, um, whether you were an adult or a child. And so these groups, these community groups, these friends would come together and say, we need to create this. And so uh, now that we're you know, 50 years in the making, um, while there is a place to go, it kind of goes back to that population growth. There's, there's not enough. There's not enough right now. And so continue to just work on building up the entire community infrastructure. And this isn't just safe by any means. This is, these are all of the organizations that provide emergency shelter um, to our community, whether it's LifeWorks or Salvation Army or any of the others. We're, we're all short in, in the numbers of beds and support that we need to respond to the need in the community. Thank you for I sharing. I want to add to oh, that. Go ahead. Can I add to that also? And Angela can speak to this. Staffing is also um, really, I know it's challenging. And I just learned from Julia, the executive director, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, Angela, but SAFE has 400 employees, I believe. Is that right, Angela? We have 400 positions. <laughs> okay. But yeah. <laughs> and. And we are usually somewhere between 50 and 80 short, um, which which is a lot. And yeah. we're struggling, struggling to fill, especially the frontline positions. And it is absolutely impacting our ability to provide the level of service and care that we we need and want to be providing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's not an easy job and yeah. it is not high paid a lot of times. And so, um, like I was saying that I was emotionally exhausted when I left in my twenties from a couple hour volunteer shift. And so, um, just, I want to mention all the staff members, um, and, and how critical they are. And, and there's that big need there as well. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up, Tiffany. I actually have a follow-up question to that because, you know, you, you know, you, you volunteer in your twenties and, you know, you spend a time where you were maybe making financial contributions, but not actively involved. What made you, what, where does your passion for this organization come from that you came back after a hiatus? Because Austin's got so many good causes. What made you say, I'm going to go back and devote so much of my time back to save after taking a hiatus? Um, it, it really impacted me and touched me when I did volunteer. Like I mentioned, so blessed to have had a very, very safe childhood. And, you know, you hear about abuse and neglect and things, but if you really don't see it, um, you know, I kind of lived in a bubble. And so I did have that desire to give back. And so when I started the volunteering, um, 
I will tell you a sad story. I remember being on the playground at the shelter when it used to be on the other side of town in West Austin. And this really sweet little girl, she was probably three. And she was, we were playing together and she just really took a, seemed to really take a liking to me. And she was, she was just adorable. And she started exhibiting the behaviors that I learned in my training would um, happen if the child had been sexually abused. And I, I just, I would just remember just not being able to believe <clears throat> that someone had abused this little girl and she was still very joyful. Children are still resilient. Um, and so that, I, you know, I've just had such a place in my heart for um, the children and, and now the women and, st- and men too, who are victims um, of, of any type of abuse, sexual or, or domestic or anything. And so, uh, always wanted to give back, feel like, you know, it can happen to any of us. And, and I, and I was very, very lucky that I had a great family situation and have never experienced abuse. So all of us are a community and the more that we can help one another, um, if the people that have had to go through that, if we can help them, um, get the tools they need to live that safe and healthy life. Well, I'm glad you brought that up and I'm glad that you talked about it, that your involvement with this really is a, it sounds like it's almost from a place of gratitude for your own lucky upbringing that you want to, you know, you're grateful and you want to help prevent that in any way, you know, prevent abuse in any way that you can. And, you know, I, I think I'm really glad that you shared that. And, you know, with that, I know we're here, you know, in part today to talk about, you know, the upcoming gala and celebrating 50 years. And I really appreciate Angela and Tiffany just laying this out so well. You know, the history of the organization, both just from an organizational perspective, but also hearing Tiffany's journey being involved for half of that, you know, half of that journey. So I think it, it was really great to kind of hear that parallel. And with this next question, I want to turn to Yvette and, you know, galas don't happen overnight. And I think anyone who listens to this show knows that they don't happen overnight. So Yvette, I'd love for you to share a little bit about why it's so important to, you know, plan long term. And I remember... You both came up to me at last year's event and told me you were chairing the next one. So, I mean, <laughs> th- this is a long time coming. So, you know, I, I definitely would love for you to, you know, share, you know, the importance of that and long-term planning for a gala. Oh, yeah. Well, and Tiffany and I have attended the gala for many, many years. We we kind of come, we came at it together and uh, had several tables. We actually made it a really big women's uh, event because we actually figured that if we didn't invite the men, we could double our impact. Oh, <laughs> that's really smart. I love that answer. And you are absolutely right. <laughs> you know, having to not, th- not that men don't give, but if you have a man and a woman, then they're one couple. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. Take numbers. That's yeah. right. And we would just make it a really big women's night out and make it fun and and it just a night to give back. Uh, so so we've enjoyed going and and bringing people that are like minded and ready to give. Um, so yeah, when we were asked to be chair, chair and co-chair. Um, I don't know. I don't even know who has the role because we're just splitting it. We're both co-chairs. We're both co-chairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
Yeah, no, we we were very excited. I do remember coming up to you, starting to, you know, plant those seeds of engagement and hope to see you here. I remember talking to the former mayor and um, the winners of of the different auctions, you know, congratulations. I hope to see you again next year. Uh, So, you know, both Tiffany and I run pretty big organizations and know the impact of planning ahead. So, you know, we're kind of taking these, uh, this planning into chunks and um, kind of laid out the groundwork. And, you know, we're still, I also kind of liken it to having a baby, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, you got nine months of planning, you give yourself a little break, but uh, closer to the date, you have those weekly appointments in a way and it's crunch time. So um, yeah, yeah we've, we've been blessed to have a really great committee um, join us. And it, it does take a village. We've named, you know, a luxury coat, uh, luxury chair. And um, we'll talk about this later, but we're having a, a fun after party event. Oh, so, yep. always <laughs> capped off with fun. I, you know, I love that. And, you know, talk a little bit about, you said something really interesting. I've never heard it articulated this way on this show yet, but you talked about how you approach things in chunks. So to elaborate on what you mean by that. And, you know, how that helps create a smoother planning process for the gala. And Yvette can answer that or any, any of you can. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, it's, it's been a long journey, right? I mean, we even pushing the gala out to uh, January, we knew we had a little bit of a longer runway, but we, uh, also have, of course, Thanksgiving and Christmas in there. So, um, so we really tried to position ourselves for success by um, knowing what we needed to do, working on you know sponsorships and and what's going to bring people in. Um, some of these fun auction items, uh, what what is going to be appealing to people? So I really want to come. <laughs> As I mentioned, adding this uh, little after party, which we kind of modeled after the Ballet Austin uh, FET. Uh, (laughs) So just, you know, our idea on this was actually to bring in that younger generation, the younger crowd who maybe they don't have the money to pony up to enjoy the whole gala, um, but want a glimpse into what giving back looks like. So this is our first foray. We hope it it's very successful. Um, but but yeah, just just having this wonderful planning committee and meeting. We we actually meet monthly um, at my office in person is very important as well because we can see each other and really kind of honestly feed of feed off of each other's energy uh, as mm-hmm. well as bring those big ideas. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I, I can't wait to hear about the after party a little bit more later on in the show. But, you know, Angela, I'd love for you to chime in here and, you know, talk about, you know, because, you know, Yvette and Tiffany, I know are both very passionate about the organization and very highly engaged and effective chairs. What's the key to having a successful relationship between an organization and your event and gala chairs and co-chairs? Oh, well, I think with, so with event Tiffany, um, first of all, they, they took a while to say yes. 
<laughs> so <laughs> that means that they're um, a good share. They thought right, and but they were exactly. And uh, you know, I think one of the things that I I try to do, we're not always successful, but we definitely try, is to to have people on the committee that are coming up through the committee, taking their turns at these different chunks that Yvette's talking about. So being in charge of the auction or being in charge of the luxury raffle or, um, you know, being very involved in sponsorship requests and, and really kind of gaining experiences in all of these different aspects of running a, a major event so that once they are to the point where they've kind of touched on a little bit of everything and kind of know enough about the, the gala to, to really be able to give it their own vision, their own style, bring their people, do all of those things, then they're ready. Um, and so we we try to always have folks that were, were sort of, I, I don't know, in training for gala chair and, um, and then ask them about a year in advance, if not more, so that that year that they are chair elect, they're watching, they're learning, they're planning, they're planting their own seeds um, with folks that they may be either bringing as their guests this year in hopes that they then sponsor a table the following year, all of those kinds of things. But um, to Yvette's point, it, you know, it's not, you can't throw together a highly effective gala. You can throw together a party, but you can't throw together a highly effective event that will bring people along year after year. And so all of that happens continuously and constantly and ongoing. That Thank you for sharing the importance of, I don't want to call it a pipeline because that sounds so salesy, but the <laughs> importance of really making sure that you're nurturing people for, you know, to be involved with the organization for years and to allow them to grow as the organization grows. And it, it, it's a really important thing. And the really good events, there's always, there's a freshness to each year, but there's always a certain level of continuity that really that really allows the event to shine. And one, one of the things that I think SAFE does especially well, you all have really one of my favorite raffles in Texas with the way that you structure it. You've got multiple winners and it really is a big, it really is a big thing. So it's like, you've got multiple chances of winning. And I know some people that will, that have bought raffle tickets for the safe raffle before, and they don't even want the grand prize. They actually would be happier with the second or the third prize, just <laughs> depending on what they have going on in their life. So I'd love to hear from you all, you know, how does having a good raffle help draw new donors and new folks into the event? Because the thing about a raffle ticket is, um, you know, is it's one of those things, it's a, it's a lower cost price point. So if you get invited from somebody, but you don't have the means, it's your way of contributing, but you can also get something out of it. So I'd love, you know, feel free, any of you to chime in on, you know, a little bit about your raffle and how it's structured. Yeah, well, first of all, many, many thanks to the Hardemans and Mercedes-Benz of Austin for, um, donating this amazing lease to us year after year. So they've been our, our lead sponsor on the raffle for five, six, seven years now. And, um, and uh, we, we lovingly joke, but um, Yvette is the lucky charm when it comes to winning the raffle. So I think everyone but one uh, winner of the car has known or been connected to Yvette in some way. 
And so we just tell all of, you know, we just tell a vet, go sell tickets and tell everyone you sell them to that you're the lucky term and the <laughs> likelihood of winning. And, and Tiffany is a living example of that because she was the winner of one of the cars um, three years ago, right? <laughs> I was. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so it, it's fun. You know, that part of it is just fun and it's a great, it's just a great way to kind of let people get involved. But I mean, another great example is the the other couple of prizes. Um, it, it's an opportunity for us to get to know other vendors and businesses in town, and they get excited about being a part of it and then bring people along. So um, Annie Gleason with Bay Tesori is our jewelry sponsor this year, and she's been wonderful. She has thrown jewelry parties and made us the a uh, beneficiary, you know, percentage of sales for for the jewelry that she's selling at these different events. Um, she's bringing people to the event uh, and filling a table of folks that, you know, some of her best clients that have been, you know, that are great prospects for SAFE as well. So, um, so I think it's it's not necessarily that ticket buyers are going and buying tables, but it certainly is just another way to engage people. I love that. And, you know, a couple of things. One is if you want a car, you don't even need to know Oprah. You need to know Yvette Flores. That is who you yeah, need to be to get true. a car, not <laughs> Oprah. So let, let, let's get that. <laughs> let's get that out of the way. But two, well, I love can... that, you know, you have in the, you know, in two of those two of the three um, raffle items, you've got folks that are very highly engaged and the Hardemans, you know, support so many causes around Austin and really are super generous. But I loved how you talked about with jewelry that, you know, the, the jewelry sponsor is throwing parties and it's giving you an opportunity to meet and recruit some new donors. So it's, you're, you're really using the raffle in so many different ways. You're using it for star power on one hand, but you're also using it as a development and cultivation thing on the other. And I think that's just brilliant. And I, yeah, I want to add to that too, uh, the raffle, you know, I, I have had people, one of the winners um, said, I cannot make it to the gala. And I don't take that as a no. I always say, well, would you buy some raffle tickets? Yep. And uh, sure enough, you know, she was out of town, had bought her raffle tickets, was the winner. <laughs> you know, so um, it's, it is just a way to, to give back and, um, and get lucky if you, if you want to, uh, yeah, to your point as well, Angela, Annie Gleason with Beta Sori, um, we've convinced her to be on our committee as well. Uh, she, you know, she is a transplant from Seattle and was looking for an organization that she could get involved with. And, and, you know, well, we said, well, we'll date us. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, see how you feel uh, about this. It's you know, no, no big commitment. Just attend the committee uh, meetings, and and from there, she's gotten highly involved. So, yeah, that's fantastic. And with that, you the know, I love. Oh, Tiffany, go ahead. I just wanted to say the raffle tickets also are we. They're a hundred dollars each, and you could potentially walk away with a three-year lease on a Mercedes. And they are such a great gift with Christmas coming up. Not only, I mean, how else could you possibly <laughs> potentially give someone a car or great jewelry um, for a hundred dollars, but also you're, you're supporting a great organization in Austin. And so it's kind of a double gift. 
Well, speaking of gifts, so the, the big gift is, is that you've got your 50th anniversary gala coming up. So Tiffany, I'd love for you to maybe tee us up with what people can expect the first part of the night. And then from Yvette, I want to hear about this after more about this after party. So <laughs> Tiffany, if you could start, I'd appreciate it. Absolutely. So it's at the JW Marriott. And um, it is, you know, you can get it, it's it's dressed up, but you can wear a cocktail dress or a gown or a pantsuit or, you know, with icy men in the cowboy tuxes or all the way to the tux or just suit. But there's going to be amazing entertainment. Um, Angela, help me out because I don't have it right in front of me. But um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So we we um, we promised. um one of our favorite donors, Patty O'Mara, um, her, she's excited to come. She's been involved for years and years. And the, one of the comments she made is now I'm coming and she doesn't usually come to the evening gala, but she said, I'm coming this year because it's a big year, but it better not be boring. So we promised her a really dynamic, wonderful 50th anniversary that, um, you know, we want to tell our story, but we don't want to stand up there and give a history lesson like a classroom. So we promised her we would make it fun and entertaining. And so we are going to be doing this really great um, combination of music and poems and stories and the, the story of the movements and how all of that created who we are. And so we've got a handful of performers that are already confirmed. So Joshua Banbury, Sahara Smith and Ebony Stewart are on board and committed, and they're going to be part of our storytelling that night. We're going to be asking some of our staff, uh, folks who are on the front line, not the leadership team, not the people you hear from all the time, but the folks who are doing the work every single day um, to, to come and be a part of that storytelling as well. Um, and then we've got a couple of other really great performers that we're still working on, so hopefully we'll have them soon. Um, and then Yvette can tell you a little bit about Encore, which is our after party now. What a great name. Yeah. I have to give that credit to Tiffany. That was a <laughs> brainstorm session. It was one of our, yep, in-person brainstorm sessions. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, Encore um, will also be a $100 uh, entry fee. Uh, it will start at 10.30 p.m. So as the gala is shifting into party mode, um, the gala guests will transfer over to the Encore area. And the, the new guests who just bought the ticket to Encore will be... Um, just surrounded with fun with the matchmaker band. We're going to have a casino area out in the lobby, uh, the 360 photo booth and um, many other little surprises. So it's just going to be a, a big party and get to know safe a little better in a fun atmosphere. Well, yeah, and at the gala too, Rob, we're going to do um, different seating. It's not going to be your standard 10 top round tables. And so we'll have um, smaller tables and larger tables. And um, it's it's going to be a lot more kind of uh, welcoming. A community gathering. Well, community, I love yeah. Well, Austin is so about that. And, you know, with the 50th anniversary, <gasps> I think, you know, I love that you're using this as an opportunity to really celebrate 50 years and really kick off and go come in with a bang 
the next 50 years. So, you know, for that, you know, I'm really grateful for everything you all have done over the years. And I can't thank the three of you enough for joining us today. So Yvette, Angela, Tiffany, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank, thank you for, for having, having us. Yeah. yeah and absolutely. thanks for all you do in our community too, Rob. Oh, I appreciate that. And I love supporting great organizations like yours and you all do the work. I'm just the conveyor. So congratulations again on 50 years. And the Safe Alliance celebrating 50 years will be held on January 20th, 2024 at the JW Marriott in Austin, Texas. For more information, please visit safeaustin.org. And that will do it for this episode of Fun and Fundraising. I'm your host, Rob Giardinelli, reminding you to keep it fun Keep it interesting and your guests will have a great time. Have a great day, everyone, and take care. <laughs>